Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Christelle Kuit. She is the CEO and founder of Headroom Assistance. That's assistance with C-E at the end. Christelle focuses on remote executive assistance to exec teams. It's a very specific niche catering for a very um, specific requirement. She provides highly professionalized remote staff to um, become the assistants for executive teams. Now, of course, the old sort of phrase or terminology is a secretary, and we discuss this in the podcast, the whole evolution of uh, secretaries, EAs, and even to chief of staff. Christelle's company is an interesting one. Of course, it all is based on remote and the future of work, but we really dive deep into the functions of EAs and how they can help executives and businesses. So I really learned a lot and I'm even tempted to use Christelle's company for an assistant myself. So it's a good podcast and I'm sure you will find this interesting. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Christelle, you are the CEO and founder of Headroom Assistance. You are based in Amsterdam, not the um, not what we usually come across. So, tell me a little bit about your journey. You have founded Headroom Assistance. You are seeing fantastic growth, and you found a really um, strong niche in the market where there's a lot of high demand. So, um, how what's brought you to this space where you are now? Yes, um, so with Headroom, we offer remote executive assistance to leadership teams throughout Europe, as I'm based in Amsterdam, uh, but also in the US. And I started the company from my own background as an assistant. Um, 
because I recognized that education and flexibility was becoming increasingly important for both companies, but also for the workforce. And that is exactly what Headroom helps with. Uh, because when I worked as an assistant, um, that was almost 10 years ago, <clears throat> that was mostly in-house. Um, and there was also no official professional training for um, assistants. And I really missed that in my job. I often had to train myself. Uh, next to that, I also was often in the office without my manager being present because he or she was either in meetings or traveling internationally. So um, for me, it felt, yeah, really inflexible to be there um, and also often not have enough work for a full-time uh, job. Um, so I really started the company for a showing that this is really a profession, right? It's really a trade and it's really a cool job. Um, and there is a growing shortage for good EAs. Um, so I really hope to showcase that this is such a cool profession and more boys and girls will choose it. Um, and next to that, also to make it as easy as possible for uh, leaders within companies to start working with a good EA. Um, and that is exactly what uh, we offer with Headroom. And so what is an, an executive assistant, which is also an assistant, sometimes a secretary, as you say, yeah. uh, an EA, um, they're actually, as you say, they're actually quite a highly respected um, role, aren't they? And they can actually work very closely with the most senior people in companies um, and they can often earn really incredible salaries because, for example, they might be the assistant to the CEO and um, work very closely mm -hmm. to, to that person and earn incredible salaries. When I was in London, I was sort of a, a lot younger back then, and I was earning a pretty good salary, but I, I knew some of the EAs in the city of London working for mm -hmm. you know very important people, and they were earning incredible salaries. Um, what is it? How would you encapsulate what an EA does typically? Yeah, so I think it's also the name of the company, right? Um, it's really you support people who have very high demanding jobs. Um, and they are hired to run companies or <clears throat> run departments uh, based on their skill set. And normally their skill set is not to be super organized, um, to take care of administrative stuff. Um, and that is where you come in as an assistant. So what we help with on a daily basis is really achieving, for example, an inbox zero, making sure that nothing that comes in your inbox falls through the cracks. And also really help with structuring your ideal work week uh, so you can get the most out of the week. So we really look at, are you a morning person? What is your hour of power? Or are you more like an evening person? And difficult meetings or strategic thinking, we structure that around your hour of power. Um, and also make sure, for example, that there are really times where you can focus on doing your job. And that means, for example, not having meetings at all. 
Um, next to that, travel, of course, is after COVID again, it's very popular. Um, but also tools, you know, technology that is changing a lot. And a lot of leaders are looking to use technology to either become more productive themselves or together with their teams. Um, so you have, of course, Notion, Asana, uh, but also uh, GPT chat is now also quite interesting uh, where they are looking at. Um, so There's a wide they, range. Huh? And yes. does it, 20, 30 years ago, it seemed like everyone had a secretary. Correct. And it, yeah. And I don't know, is that just changing with the times? It's no longer kind of PC or is it because 30 years ago there wasn't as much automation so managers mm -hmm. needed a lot more assistance? You know, or is it just my perspective? Has the sort of incidence of assistants or EAs, PAs, secretaries kind of dropped or do you see that it is sort of, you know, alive and well? No, I think the demand is actually much higher than it used to be. So, um, you, you know, I think that long uh, time ago, secretaries were really specific for one layer within the company. And that was like the big bosses, right? Um, and you have also had a gatekeeper type of role. You were assisting, the, you know, the big boss behind uh, the closed door. And... Um, nowadays, that's still the case, right? But um, also with COVID, the remote working accelerated and it's not necessary for EAs to be in the office as much as it used to be. Um, and what we are also seeing is you have an underserved market within really big companies, or for example, director or VP level, who don't have this one-on-one -on -one EA um, but they still need that support. So that is where outsourcing becomes very interesting, right? Because you don't need somebody full-time in-house, but you still would like to have, you know, that couple of hours on a daily basis support to manage your inbox or calendar or travel or take notes during important meetings. Um, and we're seeing an increasing demand actually for assistance. And where do you see the, the line or, you know, is it different? Some EAs just focus on work functions. Some EAs extend into the personal lives of the executives, you know, arranging, I don't know, uh, dinner um, bookings mm -hmm. and um, uh, um, what is it? Uh, vacation, um, organizing vacations and flights and things like that. Um, do you, yeah. is there a line there or is it just whatever the, the, the person wants? Yeah, I think that is actually really a good and interesting question, Derek, because what we are seeing is that also due to, due to technology, the lines between personal and business are being blurred, right? Um, 50 years ago, there were no um, smartphones. So when you closed your laptop or your computer in the office, that was it. And sometimes you had a home office, but normally that was not the case. So once you stepped out of the office, then you were done with your work day. But nowadays you work, you know, it's very fluid. And since there is such an overlap between personal and business, that is exactly what is also increasingly needed from an assistant. It's not only helping you 
realize your business goals, but also to help out with that work-life balance at home, right? Uh, making sure, for example, that if you want to take a, hol- a family holiday, look for some options for housing or accommodation. Um, it's Valentine's Day, for example, organize something nice. But also when people become parents for the first time, it can be very demanding and stressful and having an assistant help you with that a little bit on the side by finding good babysitters or helping with um, good support or specific services. Um, Yeah, those demands are actually uh, quite popular. And do, what is the, how does the, uh, EA feel about that? I, I assume some would prefer to be a business side EA. Some might even prefer to be a, a, a personal private side mm-hmm. EA. Uh, and then maybe there's some in the middle as well. But, um, you know, generally, do you see preferences for different types of work? Is it, you know, I, I can always imagine it's pretty cool to be a personal EA to a billionaire and you're kind of sorting out their <laughs> private jets and holidays and stuff. Um, is, yeah. is that kind of, is that interesting to people? I mean, of course, it's really cool. We also have a, com- a couple of, we call them, for example, tech aristocrats. So young people who um, became successful quite early in life. Um, and booking or arranging a private jet, it's always a cool thing to do, right? Um, <clears throat> but I don't think there is necessarily one preference uh, or a, a strong preference for one or the other. The diversity makes the job really interesting. Um, that being said, a PA, a personal assistant in the US really means something different than, for example, in Europe. In Europe, a PA is being used as in the same uh, job description as a management assistant or a secretary or an executive assistant. While in the US, a personal assistant is really taking care of your laundry, um, right. walking the dogs, really doing also a lot of physical uh, chores and also joining maybe like on family trips or business trips. And that is really um, what a traditional yeah, executive assistant normally doesn't do. Got it. So there's EA, there's PA, and then there's also VA. Uh, and VA, yes. which is virtual assistant, that was popularized, I think, by Tim Ferriss when he wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, um, has a yep. lot of association to the Philippines. I tend to... Yes. I don't really like the phrase that much because it sort of Mm. lumps everyone that's offshore into this sort Mm. of mythical role of being a virtual assistant. And often these virtual assistants are running the marketing departments, the sales departments, they're writing content, they're doing, you know, they're running a business. And I'm like, well, call them what they are. Are they, you know, are they a digital marketer? And and I find Mm. it's a little bit sort of derogatory in terms of actually just giving them proper staffing credentials um but the va thing is interesting and what what i also find with vas is that often you get a va to start as an assistant but then if they become good the business or the business needs almost take over from the individual needs of the executive and if they prove themselves to be good then the executive will say look often you know you go and exactly. you're doing well at marketing you go off and manage the marketing department and hire someone under yeah. you do you find often that happens with um, you know good assistants often when they're very good at their job they get a lot more roles and then they end up kind of managing 
And some of them, you know, mm -hmm. I hear stories, some of them end up managing the entire <clears throat> company yeah. because they're so effective. But yep. that also introduces this sort of issue of, you know, I, I just wanted an EA, but whenever they're good, they always go off and manage my company for me. How, how do you manage mm -hmm. that kind of um, discipline of role, I suppose? Yeah, I think uh, the VA term, um, maybe it, I think it was already uh, very popular before Tim Ferriss, but maybe not as known, right? Um, and yes, it was very broad. It still is quite very broad, but we are also seeing that people are becoming exactly um, like you are mentioning, Derek, more aware of this, 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 this needed specialization skills. So they are also transforming their titles of a VA to a more specialized role with what exactly they're good at. Um, so it makes it more clear for people that are looking for something specific, they can find the right person. Um, I'm sorry, I totally forgot your question, actually. No, no, it was, it was really that, you know, and it, it's just that creep of, uh, it creep in a positive way in that the good right. assistance, you know, they might, yes. you know, first you give them a few marketing tasks, but then they get so right. good at it, they end up running the marketing department. And that, that's a good thing for everyone. But often... Yeah. Um, the good assistants, they, they tend to uh, yes. you know, branch out. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that's why it's really, you know, I think it's a really cool job to maybe kick off your career with because you get um, to work for, you know, the talented people within the company. Um, you get a lot of ownership and a lot of confidence because that is, a, uh, or it's a, a lot of confident information because that's part of your role. Um, and you can see where maybe your, your, your special skills lie within the, the, the assistant profession. So some uh, assistants, they really like, for example, the legal uh, roles, or they are really good in finance, or they're really good in project management. And you see that they sort of branch out to that. Um, and also the term, I don't know if you also heard of it, the Derek also curious how you think of it, is the chief of staff. It's becoming much yeah, more popular. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that divide is a little bit blurred, to be honest, because a chief well, what, of what staff. What do you see is, as chief of staff? Because again, that, yeah. that, well, didn't that originate in the White House? And then suddenly exactly. every, every Silicon Valley startup now has a chief of staff. Yeah. What, what do they do? I mean, to be honest, for me, the chief of staff is more a COO type of role uh, where you're really an extension of the CEO of the company, right? Um, but what we are seeing is that a lot of chief of staff uh, people, they also get administrative tasks to handle. And I'm not sure if that is also their um, most where they can add the most value, right? Because they're very expensive and they're very highly skilled people. So I also noticed that chief of staff people are often yeah, brought in to look with uh, people staff or to organize also the calendar of the CEO, for example. So for me, it's still a little bit blurry. Okay, what is it exactly that the chief of staff does that's different than the, the role of an executive assistant? Yeah, it's, 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 it is that gray area, isn't it? Because they can kind mm -hmm. of act as a COO, 
but then you wouldn't want that same person organizing your laundry and picking your kids up from school, would you? It's kind of no, uh, no, no. It needs to be clearly, yeah. clearly defined. There, there was something, Christelle, I heard from a, a business friend of mine, and it really stuck with me. I, I have about three hundred staff now, and I. I'm based and I live in the Philippines. I can easily get an assistant and I have yeah. never had one actually. So I might seek advice from you Why on not? that. But, but he, yes. gave, he gave this specific advice saying, do not, don't get your EA or PA in the same entity. And it's better to have them external, maybe with, you know, headroom, for example, um, mm. because then they are, they're slightly separated from, your mm. workforce Correct. and because if they are friendly with your workforce if they have lunch with your workforce every day then the alliance or the loyalty could be closer to your to the workforce rather than you and there's a there's mm. a little bit of safety in having them slightly separated from that bunch is that something have you heard that does that resonate with you do you see that as wise advice mm. well i would say if you don't have an EA, Derek, you are one. <laughs> That's true. I've so heard of that I, also. Yeah. Yes. And I think um, it maybe is a little bit uh, a tease, but I think um, in the core, it really is the case. But that also really depends on you as, as a person, right? Some people really like to be in control and they get energy from taking care of these uh, details or organizational skill uh, tasks. Um, but be very aware where you put your time and energy, right? Is that, you know, is taking care of your calendar, taking care of your uh, personal tasks or travel or admin really your strength? Um, and if not, then outsource it, right? To somebody who can do it actually probably better and faster than you. Um, so I would say try it, Derek, and if, then you can really see if you, you like it or not. So maybe a nice story, but one of the founders of Booking.com is actually a customer of Headroom. And um, he has been with us, I think, for the last uh, six years. And he never worked with an assistant. So he was there the entire beginning of Booking. Um, they grew super fast, right? And he, he never worked with an assistant. And when I met him, I told him, you know, give it a try. What is the worst that can happen? Uh, you can also, you get a good sense of it after two weeks of working with an assistant, whether you like it or not. And he gave me a call and he was like, hey, uh, Crystal, I thought you had a really nice talk and, you know, let's, let's try it. But I really regret that I didn't start working with an assistant sooner. And that is exactly what we want to achieve as being an assistant, right? Is creating that headroom and that sense of relief at the end of the week, like, oh my God, I had such a productive week. I have so much more energy left now uh, than before working with an assistant. And that is really what uh, the value add is of working with a good assistant, right? It is. It is tempting, and, isn't it? And it's a bit of a. Yeah. It, honestly, it's a bit of a flex as well, isn't it? To to have right. an assistant, you know, yeah. talk to my assistant. It's pretty cool, and especially yeah. if they organise the the holidays and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, and you can still decide to do some stuff yourself, right? Or maybe reach out to some people that are really important to you, 
yourself. You, you don't have to give everything to your assistant. You can really discuss that together with that person. And concerning safety or confidentiality, um, that also can differ per person. Um, I know, for example, some CEOs of companies who have multiple offices around the world, they sometimes like to have the assistant in-house on location because they can be a little bit of a tentacle for them on how is the team doing over there, um, mm. you know, being the ears and eyes. But for our comp uh, customers, they specifically want to outsource their EA services externally because of that. So uh, that's interesting, isn't know, it? You know, and if you say yeah. the Booking.com founder, I mean, they must have tens of thousands of staff now, and he yeah, opts to correct. source his yeah. assistant externally. And I think it is because of that sort of separation, isn't it? And and that's really correct. really valuable. Yeah. 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 Yes. Uh, Sometimes, because for example, the inbox for him caused a lot of stress and I can use him as an example. So this is not confidential information. I'm not allowed to share, but, um, and he really didn't want to give that to somebody within the company because there was a lot of confidential information in there. And so that's why he chose Headroom uh, because he knew that the assistant that he's working with um, externally doesn't have a specific, how do you say that, incentive with the information that he or she reads. Um, because sometimes you have, you're talking about letting people go, right? And if your assistant is friends with that person, then it can become a conflict of interest. Yeah, there's genuinely a lot of really sensitive stuff. And, and that's yes. the criticality of the assistant position, isn't it? Because, you know, you if you're the assistant to the CEO, you have the second best view of the company out of anyone in the yes. company. You know, and so yes. with that, it it has a requisite of a lot of professionalism, a lot of confidentiality yes. um, and yep. professionalism. You know, it's, it's really important. Yeah, Accuracy is very important, but also that sensitivity um, <clears throat> and also flexibility, right? Because uh, running a business, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a challenge. And you can start a day thinking, I have everything planned out perfectly, but then something happens. And um, as an assistant, you have to be just as flexible, right? Um, and then make sure that you say to that person that you assist, don't worry, I will take care of it. And that is the best feeling you can give somebody. And I'm on your site now and I see, you know, I, I ask you this, maybe we should talk about pricing because your pricing is very clearly stated on your website, unlike a lot of other yeah. sort of <clears throat> offshore staffing solutions. Mm -hmm. it, it varies a lot, you know, salaries vary a lot, but you have fixed yes. prices. I don't know if you want to go into those, but then also explain, is it, is it the attachment to one particular person or is a team looking after the, the, the mm -hmm. needs or the requirements? Yeah, so um, with Headroom, you don't get one EA, you get a dedicated team of EAs uh, to avoid a single point of failure, as I like to say. So when you work with one assistant, what happens on the days that that person is not available? And that is what I saw a lot when I worked as a traditional assistant in-house. When I was gone, there was not support for the people that I assisted. 
And when I came back, it was normally total chaos. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so we want to offer that headroom, right? And that means continuous support on a daily basis for how much or how long you need it. Um, and you need a little team for that. But if your primary assistant, as how we call them uh, within Headroom, is not available, then you want the other assistant within your dedicated team to offer the same service level, right? So for that, we created actually our own software that really allows for a, a seamless and very smooth handover between EA teams. Um, and I think that's really one of our competitive advantages. And so if you have an assistant, Julie, do you, do you sort of build a relationship with Julie or, you know, it's almost like sort of a, a panel that, that you don't yeah. necessarily get a sort of personal relationship with, but just any activities, any, any requests are catered for? Yeah. No, I think in the end, life is about the human connection, right? Um, and the role of an assistant, as you mentioned before, it's it's very can be very intensive, can be very sensitive. So it's very difficult not to bond, you know, with that person that you work closely with, um, and we value that. So what we see is that our customers are actually with us for a really long time. So I think on average around uh, sixteen to twenty months. Um, and you build that relationship with each other, but you are also aware of the other assistants within your team because it's never nice to have surprises, right? You are used to working with Tom, for example, and all of a sudden you get Jimmy and you don't know Jimmy. And Jimmy is has access to a lot of confidential information. And are you sure that Jimmy knows all your preferences? And so... I think for any team, it's really important that you know who's in your team, what can you expect of each other. Um, and I think that's yeah, really one of the successes um, of working with a team within Headroom. Fascinating. And Headroom then provides a structure so the assistant can be even more successful. Is that right? Because you, you're mm -hmm. effectively providing the the framework from which they work in yeah. so that they can do a great job. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, and we work through also the, the account of uh, our um, customers, right? So, for example, for booking, um, our EA team gets an EA email account and we communicate and work through that email account. And, for example, Slack or Teams chat and we also have um, a dedicated phone number. And that is really um, excluded also from the rest of the EA team, right? So only your assistant can view your data and important information. Well done. So you're seeing a lot of growth with this? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, um, I, I, almost every company that I know of is looking for good assistance. <clears throat> And um, so there, and also a lot of people, they don't really understand the profession that well, okay, what do you do on a daily basis? What do you help with? What are the competencies that are required to be a good assistant? Um, and I think there's really an opportunity for that. So um, 
If you are interested in developing yourself, maybe as an assistant, whether it's remote um, or whether it's you prefer to work in somebody's office, yeah, do some research and then start trying it out uh, because you can easily find a job, I think, almost within every country, to be honest. Um, and the more skilled you are, and I think that's also uh, what a lot of your other guests mentioned, the more room you have to choose the job that you love, right? Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I see it, as, I see it yeah. as a really, really exciting career yeah, potential. Like I, I would, like if, if I, you know, not blowing my own trumpet, but if, if I was perceived as sort of a successful professional and I wasn't busy with, with this business that I'm in now, I, I would shoot for the highest caliber CEO I could find and try and be yeah. their assistant for a year. And even if I don't get paid, but just the, the sort of level of learning, the level of exposure, yes. the level of work you would do would just be yeah. absolutely enthralling for me. I, you know, I would, I would get such a kick out of it. It's, um, yeah, it, it's a fascinating, fascinating sort of career choice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that is how I kickstarted my career. I mean, I, I went working straight after high school because, um, my grades were, were not good enough for university and I, I did enjoy school, but going to university was really a struggle. And I, you know, heard about this profession and I thought, why not? Uh, and learn from those people who run successful companies, right? And um, I worked for nonprofits, I worked for startups, I worked for really big multinational companies. And you learn from everyone you work for in every company that you work in and become better at what you do. And yeah, really uh, make that impact on the lives of the people that you assist. I think that is really where you also need to get your energy from, right? Because it is a support, supportive role and uh, you need to be a little bit flexible with that. And is there a is there a, an ethos within the kind of EAPA community? Now, you know, it's, it's sort of not really referred to as a profession, but as you say, it absolutely yeah. is and, and it performs a it critical is, function. Yeah. Um, but are there, you know, guides on how to be the world's best EA, for example, you know, and, and are there kind of formula that you can put into practice so that the, it's the most incredible experience? Um, well, you have this guy, his name is Jeremy Burroughs, um, and he uh, actually wrote like sort of a guidebook about being a powered up executive assistant. Right. I think you can find it on Amazon. Um, I think people like that are really cool because uh, they really show that it is, a, it is a profession, right? You need to develop your skill set because if you want to keep up with those fast-paced and people running the businesses, you also need to be fast-paced um, and upskilled. So he has some great advice and tools and um, yeah, maybe uh, certain courses you can uh, take as an assistant. Um, yeah, and also we are seeing that education, you know, companies want to work with an educated workforce. So also with Headroom, we have built our own online academy because a, assistants are looking to develop, to keep on developing themselves 
but also B, the leaders of this world are not standing still. So we also have to keep up with that. And that is exactly why that education is so important. We talk a lot about offshore staffing uh, and mm -hmm. focus a lot on the Philippines, but also global employment. Yeah. You, um, at, at the moment, hire from uh, the Netherlands and the US, is that right? And what are your thoughts Correct. in terms of uh, sourcing staff? Because am I right, all of your staff are remote. So in theory, they, they could be sourced from anywhere. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And we, when I started the company almost 10 years ago, that was a very weird concept, to be honest. I think um, in the Philippines, they were really, you know, um, a pioneer in that. Um, and they made it easier for companies like us to, yes, sell that concept. And it's not necessary for you to be, you know, um, there with you in the office. And if you can offer that flexibility for your staff, for example, to, I, I'm just saying something like Barcelona, where the living costs are much lower, but you can still get a really good paycheck for a company that you assist in the U.S., yeah, you have the best of both worlds. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it will become increasingly important also because the next generation of leaders will also be used to working like that. You have a lot of um, CEOs or young CEOs, right, running their tech startups from Bali, and uh, they're loving it. Yeah. It's all changing, isn't it? And of course, we've had COVID yes. and the whole move towards yeah. remote and it really just yeah. plays into exactly yeah. what I think we're all working towards. And, you know, I, I often yeah. sort of marvel, like, you know, we collectively, you and I, the industry, we're trying to convince um, old people that remote is possible, mm -hmm. you know, because they're mm -hmm. the established managers and CEOs right now. But I think when the Gen Z and millennials become the business owners and hiring managers, once they are sort of 30, 40, 50 years old, then everything will be remote, won't it? Or at least, you know, that that will be assessed whether they, basically yeah. they'll be hiring people based on their capabilities as opposed to where they're sitting, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, because then you have, you know, the entire globe as a potential workforce, right? Versus just being limited to that specific geographical area. Um, but I do have to say, I'm not sure if age really is that differentiator because we also see that people who are might be a little bit of age, it's really about mindset, um, especially if you are an innovator or a pioneer. Um, I also see a bunch of young people who still prefer to have somebody physically next to them. So. Yeah, I think it's really more related to mindset than age, to be honest. True. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do sort of think, you know, and to me it, it feels a bit extreme, but the, the young kids of today, like kind of, I don't know, teenagers, like they're so um, phone-centric. You know, everything happens on yeah. the phone. Everything happens messaging yeah. over, across apps. Um as opposed to, yeah. you know, and, and actually a lot of the kind of in-person social skills are actually um, yeah. wilting or, or kind of regressing. So it, it will be interesting how that generation choose to run businesses when they are the business owners and, mm -hmm. and what they see as yeah. norms and best practices. It's going to yeah. be a fascinating future, isn't it? 
Yes, definitely. I'm really, really curious what is going to happen also with AI, right? And how fast that has, you know, become or how fast that has grown in a couple of years. Uh, but also imagine, I mean, there are 10 years ago, we didn't have a smartphone. I cannot uh, imagine that anymore. Can you? And so, yeah, yeah I, I'm really... Um, yeah, curious what will happen and how we interact, especially as 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 a planet. We're also we are getting intertwined more and more. Right, uh, twenty years ago, news from what was happening in China was maybe reached by CNN on on television, and now you have it's a whole other ball game of how you hear and share information with each other. So. Um, yeah, curious to know uh, how the world will look like uh, 20 years from now. Super, yeah. I, I had another comment from a business owner and he, you know, he, they were talking about assistance being um, removed because of AI. <laughs> you know, we're not going to need assistance yeah. anymore with Alexa and Siri and stuff like that. And, you know, he just shot back and said, my assistants use the AI and Siri and Alexa. Mm -hmm. And it, you exactly. know, it, it is just everyone is stepping up in terms of their capabilities yeah. and the, the, yeah. the power of the tools that they can use. Yeah. Um, so that, exactly. you know, it just increases the functional capability of everyone, doesn't it? It's uh, incredible. Yeah. Gosh, what a future yeah. we face, Krista. Yes, I know. Yeah, I'm really curious what will happen with uh, humans and technology, right? And um, Let's see wait where and that see. goes. It's but, definitely um, going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Christelle, thank you so much. Really, really interesting, uh, wide-ranging conversation. And, and you know, you might have convinced me to give uh, an EA a go. Uh, I could certainly do with yes. my own work practices. So uh, thank you for that. Really, really always interesting yes. to see the different perspectives. Uh, Christelle, I encourage, of course, everyone to, to reach out, um, have conversations and see how their business can be improved. So if anyone wants to know more about what you do or uh, headroom how can they get in touch uh, they can always find me on linkedin um i think that's the best way forward or uh, you can also get in touch uh, with me on twitter um and next to that uh, yeah you can uh, always make an appointment through our website as well and my team uh, gets uh, in touch with me but uh, yeah, really looking forward to maybe answering more questions uh, or if people want to know more about the profession or indeed how to uh, make sure that they hire the right assistant uh, for themselves, uh, happy to continue the conversation. Fantastic. And for all of those links will be in the show notes, but your, your name is Christelle Kuit, <clears throat> both of those with a K. Correct. Yes. Thank you. That was Christelle Kuit. She is the CEO and founder of Headroom Assistance. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.